This is Brain Diet, episode 164, all things Hashimoto's with Dr. Nicole Fujiyama. I love so much focusing on the food we feed our body, but I love even more focusing on the stuff we feed our brain. My name is Taylor Ann Macy, and I am a certified life coach. Welcome to Brain Diet, where we feed your brain the best information. Hi, friends. Our guest on the podcast today is Dr. Nicole Fujiyama. She is a naturopathic doctor, and she specializes in autoimmune wellness and autoimmune weight management. She herself has Hashimoto's, and so she shares a great deal of information on her Instagram and on her TikTok regarding the condition, how to manage it, what to look for, what to test for. So this conversation was very helpful and enlightening. And for anyone that has Hashimoto's, think they might have Hashimoto's or is just interested in learning more about autoimmune health, this is a great episode. She and I align on a lot of our nutritional approaches and strategies. So I'm really excited to share this with you. Be sure to check her out. All of her links are in the show notes. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Nicole Fujiyama. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I am really delighted to have our guest on today. Today, we have with us Nicole Fujiyama. Nicole, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. (laughs) (laughs) So Nicole, tell us a little bit about you within the context of what you do. Yes. So I am a naturopathic doctor and an acupuncturist. And so for those of you who are not familiar with a naturopathic doctor, basically we get the same training, basic medical sciences as medical doctors, but then we get additional training as well too in herbal sciences, nutrition, a lot of the natural therapies and alternative therapies that people are familiar with homeopathy. So we learn a whole bunch of them and a lot of naturopathic doctors have this huge scope of practice. So, you know, in some states, it depends on what state you're in. So they can like order labs, order prescriptions, um, do minor surgeries. So in some of the states, they have this like really wide range of things that we can do. But then we also focus on things like herbs and nutrition, homeopathy. Some even do like manipulation. So it's really like this huge umbrella term for a lot of things that we can do. I love that. What made you decide to go into that field? Oh, that is an interesting story. So when I was like in third grade, I always knew I wanted to be a doctor, but I didn't know until like maybe high school that I wanted to do at the time, what was known as alternative medicine. And so I was like, I want to be a doctor, but I want to learn like all these other things, including acupuncture. Like that was just a part of it. And I was actually applying to medical schools that actually had those kind of programs. And it wasn't until in, I actually did it again in the first round and I was applying for the second round and doing interviews. And then that's when another lady told me about um, basically Bastyr, which is a naturopathic medical school in Washington. And at first I thought she was joking. I thought it was like an online school. I was like, whatever lady, like I've never heard of this profession. And so I just kind of blew her off, but then I did research on it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I want to do. And so then like, that was it. I just applied and the rest is history. 
Wow. That's amazing. Now I'm curious because I feel like our own health always, I think we always kind of like apply our own selves to what we're studying. Right. And from what I understand, you have Hashimoto's. Yes. Yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit about, I have so many questions. (laughs) Tell us a little (laughs) bit about your diagnosis story. And then I have some questions to like interweave your career along with your personal health. So tell us a little bit about your Hashimoto's. Yeah. So I actually didn't get diagnosed until I was at best year because that was the first time anyone's ever ran thyroid antibodies on me. And yeah, they just did it as that was like just part of the full panel that they ran. And I had no idea what was going on, like no clue. And I didn't know what those antibodies even meant and what was going on with my body, but that's how I first learned about it. And I was in my late twenties. Had you had symptoms prior to having those labs run? Like in hindsight, can you look back and see, or is it not quite as obvious? Yes. Like looking back, I can kind of see like from childhood, I had issues with a lot of foods that I was eating. And then in college, I gained a lot of weight due to stressful situations and other things that were going on, like poor lifestyle. And I don't know if maybe that might've been a trigger than the later Hashi, Hashimoto's diagnosis, which came like a few years after that. And so I think it was just like a series of events that kind of led me towards that. Interesting. So for those who might not be familiar with Hashimoto's, can you give us a general overview of the condition and what it means? Yeah. yeah. So Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease. I think many people think that it's a thyroid disease, but it's not. So it this is when your immune system mistakenly attacks and damages your thyroid. And that leads to a hypofunction in your thyroid, meaning it doesn't produce enough thyroid hormones for your body to function the way it should. And so that can lead to hypothyroidism. And and also another thing that is kind of confusing when it comes to Hashimoto's is that you can have these flare-ups that also then put you in this hyperthyroid state where you have, where it looks like you have excess amount of hormones when really it's just more of, usually what happens is something occurs, you have more inflammation, your immune system gets activated and it causes more damage to your thyroid. It releases all these thyroid hormones into your system that mimic hypothyroid and then it kind of drops back down, but really you're more hypothyroid. So I think sometimes the symptoms confuse people because they have symptoms of both. Interesting. So can you explain then what food tolerances, intolerances, how that all plays into a condition like this that affects the thyroid? Yeah. So food intolerances in a general term is just means that your body can't break down the foods in order to get what it needs and nutrients it needs. And so that starts creating inflammation in your gut. So when you have, or when you eat a lot of your food intolerances, then that gut inflammation can start breaking down that barrier in your gut. And when that happens, and that's due to inflammation, really. And when that happens, it can now things that really shouldn't pass through your gut into your blood, it allows that to come in. So that could be food particles, it could be bacteria, it could be viruses. And then that makes your immune system go crazy, because those things really shouldn't be in your blood at all. And this is why gut health and your diet is so important when it comes to autoimmune diseases, because you have to heal that barrier first in order to prevent all those things from coming in. Yes, totally. Okay. So then if we were to, this will be a two-part question. Okay. (laughs) 
for one, how does one go about healing the gut? And then two, once it's healed, is one able to reintroduce some of those more intolerable, previously intolerable foods? Yes. So to heal your gut, I mean, the first thing you want to do is remove those inflammatory foods. So whether they're in food intolerances or they're just inflammatory your gut for your gut period, you do want to remove those. Then you want to basically heal your gut and repair it. And you can do that with a lot of herbs, a lot of supplements can help. And then just other foods as well, too, will help repopulate your, like your gut bacteria and also help heal that gut barrier. And then usually for most people, like once that's healed, you can start eating foods that maybe before you couldn't eat. But if you have a food intolerance, then a lot of times you can't eat those foods because your body just can't break it down. So even if you healed your gut and you ate that food, it would still cause inflammation for you. Okay. So it's best to just avoid. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So are there with Hashimoto's, is it pretty clear cut? What types of food, like if someone were to say, I think I have Hashimoto's, then is it pretty clear cut to say, oh, then we should very clearly avoid this food and this food and this food group and this, like, is it clear cut or is it going to be more, is there going to be more of like an individual nuance to it? Um, I think there's both. So according to just like the research for Hashimoto's and just autoimmune diseases in general, a good example of this is gluten. So there are specific research that shows that gluten will... It, it looks, it's a protein. So you can think of it this way, your immune system, like I'm kind of just going to break it, break this down a little bit for everyone. So it makes it a little bit easier to understand. So your immune system reacts to protein. So gluten is a protein. And what they found is that that protein gluten looks similar to your thyroid hormone. And that's also another protein. So this is why removing gluten helps your Hashimoto's because it, it basically your immune system is confused. And by eating gluten, you're just confusing it more and it's going to want to attack your thyroid even more. And so just taking gluten out, is going to help that. Gluten also is very inflammatory to your gut. Even if you don't have celiac or non-gluten sensitivity uh, or non-celiac, sen- yeah, wait, am I saying that right? Basically, if you're not sensitive to gluten, you will still react to gluten. And so, and th- these are just in the studies. And so just taking out gluten is just beneficial for really anyone who has an autoimmune disease. So that's one situation. Another would be just in general for autoimmune diseases, things like lectins. Lectins are from plants and they tend to be more protective components of plants. And so when people eat them, we have a hard time breaking them down. And then that can cause a lot of inflammation as well too. Interesting. So I'm curious to get to know your opinion because I have heard a lot of conflicting viewpoints about gluten. And many will say, yes, uh, as a general statement, most in the general population would probably benefit from eliminating gluten. And then I hear people in the other camp that are saying, probably not so much. I don't know that that's the the most low-hanging fruit that we could really try to pay attention to in order to help people's overall health. And so I'm curious um, what your response is to those that say, maybe gluten isn't quite as, as problematic as, as it might be. Yeah. Well, I think it depends. Like what are they doing it for? Mm -hmm. You know, so if you're just taking gluten out, like just for the heck of it, like maybe you don't need to, but if you have Hashimoto's or an autoimmune disease, it's probably a good idea to do it just because again, there's research showing that 
it is just not beneficial for your immune system or your gut. And those are the two things that are affected with people who have autoimmune diseases. And so, you know, I mean, maybe they're both right. You know, not everyone needs to take out gluten, but it's something I would highly recommend. And I think, I mean, I think there's like a whole book about with, and I can't remember the author or the book right now title, but about gluten and glyphosate and how it's treated in the US. So for some people, it might not be necessarily the gluten or the gluten proteins, but it's the pesticides and things that are on them that they're ingesting. And that is what's called is causing them to react. And so that might be a different reason why you want to avoid gluten and grains, maybe because of that. Sure. But, you know, I love that approach. Person. Totally, totally. And I think that's what I appreciate about your approach is instead of just demonizing something specifically, it really is saying, hey, if you have an autoimmune condition, which I myself do, my clients do as well, it's really empowering to say, hey, let's try these things and see how your body responds. We have a theory of, of what might be contributing to some of your discomfort or pain, perhaps. And just looking at some of the general data, it's it's helpful to say, let's try this, right? This this is a somewhat logical conclusion we can come to that maybe there's something happening there that's that is easily fixable simply by eliminating this thing. So I really do appreciate that type of approach. That's really interesting. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I don't, I think that, you know, I used to get a lot of um, pushback because, you know, I, I was very, I, I would hit the diet really hard. But, you know, I let people know that it's like, you know, I'm using food literally as medicine. So I'm not seeing these things because I'm trying to create like an unhealthy relationship with you and food. Like I'm doing it because I'm viewing it as your medicine. Just like I wouldn't have you take like polypharmacy and take a bunch of drugs, you know, because I, I saw it in a magazine, you know, it's like, I'm doing this for a very specific reason. And although it may seem restrictive, like a lot of times people feel that way because a majority of what they're eating is gluten. <laughs> and so, you know, for them, it's like, then we got to work on, okay, you know, this is where I think a lot of um, that coaching comes in, like, okay, well, it's bringing up emotions, it's bringing up these feelings, like, now let's talk about that, because that's a separate issue. You know, like, removing gluten is a solving a problem, a physical problem that's going on with you, but that you have an emotional attachment to it. So those are two separate things, you know, it's like, there's a drama with it. And then there's like, the actual problem that we're working on. So now we got to work on the drama because a lot of people have drama when it comes to food and their connection to it. So it's like, that's just another layer we have to work on. I love that you brought that up because that's something that I really um, make an effort to prioritize. And I, I talk at length about on the podcast is a lot of these food as medicine approaches are relatively straightforward. You know, if you were to say eliminate gluten, I mean, there are, there's a lot of things you have to figure out in the process, but, but more or less it, it's pretty black and white, if you will. And yet there can be so much of an emotional hangup. And unfortunately in the diet world, it's so much more of just, and this is a generalization, but just saying like, here's a diet, follow it. And then if you can't, something's wrong with you. Right. And so, yeah. so much of what I emphasize is saying, okay, here's something that we can try for you. And it's going to vary based on each body. And there's going to be a lot that's going to come up for you. Totally. Okay. Let's make sure we pay just as much attention to that as we are to what's going in your mouth. I love that. That's such a more, uh, so much more of a comprehensive approach. Cause I think it's often lacking in the diet world. Yeah. And that's like, I think that's why I have such a hard time using the word diet. I just use it because I don't have a, a there's not a great a, alternative. Yep. Yeah. Like a better word, <laughs> but I'm actually not 
I'm not a huge fan of diets. And like, I think sometimes my patients are surprised because after we get them healed and they want to start introducing foods, I'm like, yeah, great, do it. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, no, this was a temporary thing. Like, unless you have some sort of medical condition that requires you to keep a certain food out, or like I said, a food intolerance that no matter what happens, like you just can't break it down. There's no real need for you to restrict foods, you know? And so I don't like, I don't, I don't know, I guess people think that once they get off gluten, they have to get off gluten forever. And like, you know, maybe you do, but for some people you don't. And that's the conversation that we have to have. And I think kind of like what you were saying, it, it actually took me a while to get there because I think I was like the people you were describing before I was like very medical. And I was like, no, you just do this protocol and you just do this diet. And this is what we're doing. And when, you know, when people would be like, I'm having a hard time with this. I'm like, well, what's hard, you know? And I think it it wasn't clicking in my head. And then later I was like, oh, like, okay. Like people are having a real problem with this. Like we need to figure out, okay, what is going on? And then, you know, I think after I really sat down and started thinking about it and then kind of comparing it to like, well, what are some problems that I go through and I have a hard time with and how is that similar and how did I work through it? And I realized like, oh, okay, there's two different things going on. There's like the physical problem. And then there's like this emotional, like mental mindset problem going on that we have to focus on. I love that just so deeply because it's something that's very important to me as well. And I think it's also just a, a part of, of mental health. If you incorporate it with physical health as you kind of have to grow and mature just as your body does, you have to mentally, as you relate to food and you relate to your body. And it's really awesome to, to be able to do that for yourself and to, to start to pay attention to those emotions around food and to see why maybe they're a little bit more problematic than you thought. And again, nothing to blame for that because we're not really taught how to relate to food. We're just taught like these foods are good. These foods are bad. And, and instead of understanding, it's like, we can just make really empowered choices based on where our body's at and based on what our goals are. So I I love that you incorporate that because I think that's something that it's, it's just a really powerful way to create change for, to help a person create change. I want to ask you, you talk a lot about autoimmune disease and weight loss or Hashimoto specifically and weight loss. Can you speak a little bit to how you, how you integrate the two and and why you do so? Um, yeah, yeah, I think, well, maybe that's because people kept asking me to do it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And like, when I was working with patients, people would just lose weight. Like, even though, you know, they would come to me and they losing weight was one of their problems. I would always tell them, well, I'm not focusing on that. Let's focus on these other things instead. And I would remind them that if we did these things, one of the side effects would be that you would just start losing weight. And that's usually what ended up happening. So I think people kept asking me that, like losing weight was just one of their main concerns. And I just didn't want to go in that area. I think because of some of the things we talked about, like there's just a lot of stigma towards it. And, you know, people have a lot of emotions when it comes to weight loss and weight gain and talking about it. And I just didn't really want to be a part of it, but I was like, you know, people really need this. They keep asking me for it. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to dive into it and let's start talking about it. And really that's how I got in that arena, but it's, I'm not really changing anything I'm doing. It's still like the same things I'm doing. And (laughs) it it took me 10 years to realize this in practice, but it's really these simple things that have these 
the hugest impact and then managing your mind around it. And it's not really anything new. Like I know people want this like crazy hack or like this new supplement, but that's really not what I've seen make the biggest impact when it comes to weight loss or just even Hashimoto's or autoimmune disease. It's just these simple things that you do consistently over a period of time and you do them in combination with each other. And it's like that layering effect that produces this almost compounding synergistic effect that then creates these results. And then you manage your mind amount like around it. Yep, <laughs> and yep. that's really the formula. <laughs> right, right. And isn't that fascinating? Because I, I can relate to those feelings of like, people are so polarized when it comes to the diet industry, losing weight, losing fat, you know, calories and all the things. There's a lot of opinions about it, which everyone of course is entitled to have. But I, in the beginning of my business felt something similar where I was like, I, I don't even want to go near that type of beast until I had a similar realization where it's like, I'm not touting some weight loss drug. I'm not touting crash diets. I'm not recommending mm -hmm. any type of unhealthy practices. I'm teaching this these simple practices to someone who wanted to lose weight, to someone who wanted to maintain weight, to someone who wanted to gain weight. They're pretty universal practices with just some subtle adjustments, all in the name of creating overall wellness of having good energy and good sleep quality and good hormones and all of the things. And so realizing that I think just illustrated to me, at least how, how much I had kind of had this like these subconscious beliefs about what dieting is. And it's like, well, that's just because there's a lot of extreme information in the world that I was exposed to as a young kid and all of that, which is totally fine. But when you can realize that health and weight management is actually very compassionate and loving and can be simple. And oftentimes the most difficult part of it is managing your mind around it. And so when you can give yourself that gift of implementing the simplicity of certain habits, but then also really showing up for your mind and loving yourself in every way that you can, it's so freeing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. I, I love think, that. Yeah. I think that's really the freedom that people are looking for, you know, right. But they assume when it's going to be really hard. It's gonna be really awful, really painful, really, yeah. they're going to feel really hungry. And, you know, of course they think that cause that's how a lot of diets are, are recommended. And so it is, it's very liberating. I want to switch gears again, because there was something that you posted that I wanted to get more of your thoughts on as you speak a lot about the value of protein. Now that's something that in my practice, I emphasize a lot, especially with autoimmune conditions, there's so much power within it. So I want to know your approach to protein, why you believe it should be prioritized, what your thoughts are about it and why you emphasize it. Yeah. I have a whole program just about eating protein. Oh, like, I love it. Yeah. That's all we do. Yeah. <laughs> and, I think it's, great. Yeah, and I think it's because when you look online, I did the research. You go online, there's so many articles telling people that they're over consuming protein. Like in America, we it's eat harmful for their kidneys. And then it's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And with the women I work with, I just find that is not the case. Like most of the time, they're just not, they're not eating enough. You know, yeah. this is why I tell Absolutely. people, I'm like, I don't restrict calories when I work with women. I don't re really restrict any amount of food. I usually tell them they have to eat more because especially when it comes to protein, they're just not eating enough. And the consequences of that are just huge and they're, they're long lasting. So the reason why I keep emphasizing it is because it's such a simple thing to do and you can get so many benefits from it, not just with your autoimmune disease, but just longevity in general. So 
if you, for example, if you don't eat enough protein, let's just start there. So a lot of women that I see are what I call skinny fat. And skinny fat is when you have a normal BMI, like a body mass index, but you are metabolically unhealthy. And that, so you look skinny, but inside it's like, you're like a diabetic person. Can you define more when you say metabolically unhealthy, what type of mm -hmm. markers are indicative of something like that? Yeah. So that is like blood pressure, um, glucose, insulin levels, um, those kind of blood markers, cholesterol, like things like that. And yeah, you're just not healthy. Yeah. And your, your, um, muscle mass, like that, that measurement compared to like body fat is, is way off. You have more fat than you have muscle, lean muscle and fat is an endocrine organ. And so that is going to release pro-inflammatory cytokines or these things like immune cells. Yep, yep. <laughs> and that is going to inflame you. And the reason why I think it's so bad for these women is because they just think they're healthy. Their doctors look at them, think they're healthy. So they don't test them. They don't look for these things. And over a period of time, like you're setting yourself up for things like osteoporosis, like cardiovascular disease, like all these metabolic metabolic diseases that are associated with someone who is obese, like they are at risk for, but they just never get tested for. And right. all of that could be solved by eating protein, by lifting weights, building more muscle. And it's so important. And you have to understand too, that protein is necessary for your immune system. So this is where plays in with autoimmune diseases. If you are not getting enough protein, it's going to affect your immune system. If you're not eating enough protein, it's going to affect your blood sugar levels, which will then affect inflammation, which then will affect your autoimmune disease. So there's like all these different things that it, it affects. And all you have to do is just eat more protein. Right. And that's one thing that I uh, uh, highly emphasize in the programs that I have is we don't need to go at this from eliminate everything from your diet necessarily. There's a place for that. But in the beginning, sometimes it's just what can we add? And protein is always the first thing that and like water and steps. It's like, let's mm -hmm. just see if we can get a little bit more of that in our lives and see what happens. And it's interesting that you say oftentimes people just implementing something like that without necessarily paying attention to specific calorie counts will lose weight kind of just as a byproduct. And I think that's protein is such a powerhouse and it's something that I agree with that I think is underutilized, at least in the populations that I see and is such a simple and wonderful way to help yourself feel better without having to make huge drastic changes or spend drastic amounts of money. Um, so I, I love that that's something that you prioritize. How would one know if they were consuming an inadequate amount for their body? How would, how do you go about assessing that with a person and how could one find that in themselves? Mm, there's a lot of different ways you can actually calculate it, but I mean, you can just look at what you're eating. Honestly, like if you wrote down, like if I had someone wrote down what they eat in 24 hours and I just looked at their meals, like I can tell, I would just be like, this is carb heavy. Like, yes, totally. I, like I, I can tell you're just already not eating that protein. Like if they just list everything they ate, it, like, I'm just like, you're not eating enough. I can okay. tell. 
So how do you then define enough, right? Because it's going to be relative based on everybody. Mm -hmm. But if you were to look at a person's, you know, written diary, what they've eaten, what in your mind, mind is enough or insufficient? So there's different markers, right? For protein intake that you want to consider, like their age is one, their activity levels, um, do they have anything else like medical conditions going on that could affect their protein intake that you want to be aware of, or, you know, you have to be cautious of. And so it's those things like that, that you want to, you want to look at, do they have gut issues? Like maybe they are not breaking down or absorbing the protein that they're getting. Like that's a different issue. So they're eating enough, but they're not absorbing it. And so I think those are the things I would consider. So I think there's like this general marker of, you know, having people eat like hundred grams of protein a day. And that's a good general marker to hit, you know, but for some people, like that's just not enough because they are very active or they just have other things going on that they just are going to need more. But for most people I see when they come in, they're not eating hundred grams, like no way, like not even close, like maybe half of that, sometimes not even half that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's right on par with what I've always shared is is if you have never paid attention to the amount of protein that you've consumed, that kind of as an entry level goal, having a hundred grams a day, I think is, is a good idea, especially if maybe your body isn't used to having that amount in your body. I think it's a great general place to start. So I love that we align on that. What about some of these arguments? I, I just want to circle back a little bit with the arguments yeah. that like, oh, cause I've seen the studies and I've seen people talk about it where it's like, these, this idea that protein is harmful to our kidneys, harmful, you know, that we are getting too much. It, it's They've just been debunked. There's just not a lot of merit to these things. Mm-hmm. But how do you help dispel some of these more negative associations that people have with protein? Well, well I tell them like anything can be harmful, you know? Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like anything you eat can be harmful, but I'm like, you know, if we're compared to like refined sugars, you know, eating like 100 grams of that versus 100 grams of protein, like you know, what, one, what would have, what kind of effect would each one have on your body? You know, it's like, well, I'm probably going to choose hundred grams versus hundred grams of like this processed sugar, but it's kind of like what herbs too. It's kind of how I describe people. Like people, there's all these studies or, you know, people come out saying like herbs are harmful. Like they kill people. I'm like, well, yeah, duh. Like, I mean, anything in excess. Anything or, could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like can, I mean, water can kill people, you know? So I don't necessarily think it's like the food or, I mean, there's some foods that are just generally bad, right? You know, like all that junk food, processed foods, like artificial, artificial, whatever, those are bad. All right. Like, (laughs) I mean, maybe in moderation, but I honestly just tell people to avoid them. But I think for anything that's whole foods, anything from the earth that is from nature, like the chances of it hurting you are probably very low. So it's probably safe. It's synthetic. The chances of it hurting you or causing harm are probably a bit higher. So you know, it's like this whole um, fear system. And you just tell people, look at it like that. You know, it's just like, you kind of have to have some common sense too about it. Like, you're like, why are these people saying this? Like, where are they from? Are they getting paid to do it? Like, do they have some like, like backing behind it? Like, why would someone say protein is not helpful for you? Yes, in some medical conditions it is. But those people know they have those conditions and are usually being monitored for their protein intake. So they're not necessarily coming into your office being like, hey, yeah, yeah. help me with, you know, like this. Yeah. And I don't know, I have a kidney disease. But, you know, part of that too is because people also don't do this workup. You know, most of the time people, 
that I work with, I make them get a full workup. So I'm going to look at their kidney function and I'm going to see, you know, how that's doing. So, and I'm going to monitor them on that. So I'm not going to be putting them on like this crazy high protein diet. If I look, see from their labs, the current labs and their past labs that they're having kidney issues, it's like, okay, well, what's going on there? Yeah, I love that. And I think that's the important part to all of this is just to be very mindful of what information you're consuming and the sources behind it. Sometimes it's easy just to see something and assume that it's true because we're naturally believing people sometimes. And so I I think that's a valuable piece of advice to offer. And there's so much information like Google will can blast you with everything you need to know, right? There's that's why I say, I tell people like, it's not really anything new, right? You can Google the information, but you know, I think the reason why they come to see you and they come to see me is to help filter that information and figure out, well, what is, what is it that you need that will be applied to you? And then to help you manage your mind around it. Like, yep. yep. <laughs> that is really, that's really it. I'm just going to keep saying that over and over again. <laughs> that's what it's distilled down to though, because it, it really, and there's a lot of work within that and a lot of like uncovering that's yes. a part of that, but it really can be distilled that simply is, and luckily, right. It's so much better to have it be that simple, even though it's, it's a lot of work mentally and emotionally, I I think it's, again, it's pretty freeing to be able to be like, oh, okay. It doesn't have to be as complicated as sometimes I want to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. Like, it's just, everything is really simple. And I think I, um, people actually give me pushback too, because they're like, it's too simple. I'm like, have you done it? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like if you haven't done it, let's do it Yeah, and like see what happens. And then oh, you I can tell that. me if it's too simple, you know? I and so, that. yeah, there's just, uh, yeah. We're funny. We, I think humans just like to overcomplicate things. Right. And <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's okay that we do it. I think it's just important that we're aware of it. Right. Yes, totally. So when it comes to your Hashimoto's, so how long ago, how long have you had the diagnosis? Um, like 10 years. Okay. And what do you do specifically to manage it? Yeah. So mine was caught pretty early. I just had high antibodies. But my um, my thyroid wasn't affected affected as much, so I don't use medication. But I manage it through essentially diet, stress, kind of all the lifestyle factors, and then also looking at any sort of other environmental issues like toxins, mold, which is a huge one. I actually got exposed to mold and. My antibodies now, my thyroid, my thyroid is good and my antibodies are undetectable. But what happened was I got exposed to mold over a long period of time from the place where I was living and it affected my immune system in a totally different way. And so my immune system reacted, started reacting to all these foods that was unrelated to my thyroid. And so I'm like, oh shoot, now I have to work on that. So now it was, now I have to work on this mold thing and that mold flared up my immune system and cause different issues with my immune system. And so now I'm focused on working on that and healing that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. And it is something that comes with autoimmune conditions. There are obviously general behaviors and lifestyle factors that can improve a person's overall wellness or their weight. But when it comes to an autoimmune condition, we have to be extra vigilant with all those types of things. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it can be easy to believe like, oh, this is my cross to bear. But other times I like to just view it as 
like, all right, this is just my opportunity to take even better care of myself because, yeah, you know, that's the type of relationship that we want to have with ourselves, hopefully. And so as much as that's like, oh, that's rough. And I'm sure it is, right? I don't want to diminish that. But I, I, I like that your approach is like, all right, let's, let's take this, let's heal it because it's going to matter even more, especially more because you have a compromised immune system that you prioritize that. Yeah. And just to give you another example. So I actually got injured recently from a soccer incident. So I play college soccer and I got this huge scar on my, my forehead, basically just, I got bumped and then it's just like, was it a cleat or was it a ball? What would you know? It was a head. It was like somebody's head. I know they just like basically ripped the skin off my forehead. Like you could see my skull. There was like blood everywhere. It was gross. And so, you know, that's another thing now that I am working towards is basically making sure my brain is healed because your thyroid and your brain have a connection. Your gut and your brain have, have a connection. They're all connected, right? So having this injury to my head, you know, maybe I'm not feeling the effects now, but that could come up years later, right? And start affecting not only my brain, but my gut and all these other things. And then that could affect my autoimmune disease. And so those are the things that you want to pay attention to too. And this is why I highly recommend everyone do a full like medical history. Like you actually writing down like all the things that happened to you in your, basically your whole life, because you can go back and look at that and be like, Oh, like that might've been where that started. You know, cause a lot of times with autoimmune diseases, it's not something that happens like overnight or right, over right. a month, you know, it's been brewing for years and people have antibodies years, sometimes decades before they actually developed the disease until it got to a point where they started manifesting these very obvious symptoms and start having tissue damage. And so I think those things are really important. And that's why I really emphasize just testing early because I think that's really what helped me. And if you have family history and you have already some symptoms, I don't think it hurts to get, to get these tests. Yeah. I, am a huge proponent of being proactive as early and as vigilantly as possible. What are things in the context of Hashimoto's, what are things that people can look for that might say, oh, we should maybe get tested? Yeah. So are you talking like symptoms or yes, like labs? Yep. yep. Oh, symptoms. Okay. Yeah. So well, symptoms. Both. Okay. Sure. So <laughs> for autoimmune diseases, usually one of the first signs for just autoimmune diseases in general is fatigue. So mm-hmm. if you start getting fatigue, that could be physical fatigue. It could be brain fatigue. I think it's a huge one. A lot of people just sh- like kind of push it aside as I'm just getting older. I'm just tired. I've been working hard, but no, if it's happening over a period of time. Like you should be concerned about that with thyroid in particular. If you start having constipation, chronic constipation, that is a really big warning sign that something is going on, possibly could be related to your thyroid. Also, if you start having weight gain, if you start having uh, dry, dry skin, also swelling, puffy face, um, things like that, those are all signs. If you start having your hair falling out, Mm. that could be a sign. And also just like eyebrow hair falling out as well, too. That can also be a sign. Any sort of gut issues, chronic gut issues as well. Those are things you start, you want to look for. Those are the general signs of autoimmune diseases in general, but a little bit more specific to Hashimoto's. Yeah. 
And even if, because some of these things obviously can be caused just by certain lifestyle choices on their own, but even if someone is experiencing them, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I will say it can't hurt to get tested. It's always good yeah. to just be on top of things and to, to just rule things out, even if it yeah. is unrelated or if there are other factors that are leading to these types of things, it's always a good idea just to make sure you're aware of yourself and taking care of yourself and testing just to be sure. Right. Yeah. And a thyroid panel and thyroid antibodies are not expensive and you can include that in your annual labs. And it, it, I, I feel like it should be included in all mm -hmm. annual labs, but I know it, some insurance like won't cover it, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah. And I could go off about insurance. <laughs> I so feel like I. there's a time and place for them, but yep. when it comes to those labs, like it's your insurance, you should be able to order what you want. Yeah. But a full thyroid panel, so not just TSH or T4, but a full thyroid panel will show you what is going on with your thyroid Well, in that moment, but give you an idea of what's going on. That can let you know whether you are hypothyroid or hyperthyroid, and then getting that thyroid antibodies will let you know if, if you have hypothyroidism, then that's due to Hashimoto's. If those antibodies are positive, if not, then it could be for something else. And then also if you have Graves, so you can test that as well too. Graves is a little bit different, has different symptoms, but yeah, ordering those two things. Yeah. And it, if you have a positive antibody, say, but you don't have hypothyroidism, then that doesn't mean you have Hashimoto's. It could, I mean, it could, and they just didn't catch it on the labs, but it definitely is warning you that there's something going on with your immune system that's affecting your thyroid and that if it progresses, and you don't intervene, that it's most likely going to get worse and could eventually lead to Hashimoto's. So you probably would want to intervene. Want to intervene. At That's this moment. so good. Yeah. Well, Nicole, you've shared so much today that I think will be extremely valuable to listeners and to those that are just maybe noticing, noticing some things that are difficult or just looking to take better care of themselves. Where can people find you? Yeah. So you can find me at my website, which is drfujiyamand.com. I know, sorry, I couldn't pick a shorter one. Or... I'll have it linked in the show notes, people, <laughs> okay. so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, or you can find me on Instagram or TikTok at Dr. Nicole ND. That's, yeah. well, that's where I found you, and I'm so okay. glad I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it sounds it. like we, yeah, it sounds like we practice very similarly and, you know, work with a lot of similar clients. And yeah. so I think what you're doing is awesome because, a lot of what I work with with patients is, like I said, it's really managing your mind around these things. And I feel like that it's so important and it's not being done in conventional medicine and in a lot of other types of medicines, but I feel like it's, it's really the key. And even with clients that I work with, I have to emphasize that this is a part of it. Mm -hmm. because they're not used to that. You know, they're used right. to me just like, they were like, I want to supplement protocol. I want a diet protocol. I'm like, okay, yes. Like we will talk yeah. about those things, but and... you know, we're also going to talk about like, what's your emotions? Like, how are you feeling? Like what yep. is going on? Like what's the drama around this? And we got to work that out too. Yep. Well, I love that. I think that's such a beautiful note to end on and to remind people that your health is so much more than just what you're eating. Although we do love that and it's so important, but just to make sure to pay attention to how you're feeling and make sure that that's giving, getting just as much attention as what you are putting to your mouth. So thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. Thank you so much. 
Are you ready to lose weight, but you don't know where to start? I have something for free that can help. Here at Brain Diet, I offer a free set your custom macros call. On this call, I'll want to know what your goals are and set you on the nutritional path to achieving them. This is a private call with me where I get all the information about you and your body so I can deliver a custom calorie and macronutrient count that when implemented will lead to weight loss in a kind and nourishing way. And if you're ready to hire a coach to walk you through every step of your weight loss journey, I'll tell you everything you need to know about that too. So if it's your time to start losing weight in a sustainable, healthy, and nourishing way, sign up for this free set your custom macro call at the link in the show notes. I'll see you soon. Thank you.